Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. Large animal and farm care is a topic that many of us don't give a second thought to because it's not very common in the circles of pet care. However, there are an awful lot of lessons that we can take from learning about this side of pet care. So today we're really excited to have Araya Transmeyer on to talk about how she got started in large animal and farm care 17 years ago, how she dialed in her clients and how she uses word of mouth and her reputation to get referrals and continue her business. Let's get started. Hey, Colin. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for having me on today. Um, As you said, my name is Araya. I am originally from North Texas um, and lived there for a little over seven years before moving to Georgia and spent um, 15 years living in the metropolitan area before moving back to Texas, where I currently live with my husband, our two rescue black cats, Rook and Molotov, and my horse, Marcus. You have been involved in, in pet sitting for the last several years. So how did you get started? Yep. So I've been pet sitting um, probably close to 17 years now. Um, I first started with smaller house sitting jobs with like dogs, cats um, turtles, what have you. And, uh, a next door neighbor actually traveled quite a bit. And so she started trusting me with her five cats. And from then it just kind of bloomed into this thing where she told somebody who told somebody else. And after a while I was staying at a couple of different houses, um, for a lot of different people. And then As I um, started riding horses a little bit more seriously, I would get connected with trainers and and people who would need favors and things. So I started taking care of farms. Um, So horses, cows, goats, chickens um, to get a little bit more ride time. And then ultimately I started doing it um, for pay. What I find interesting about that is that it wo- it grew organically from a close-knit uh, group of people and kind of expanded outward through this word of mouth. And I really feel like that that's one of the ways that tends to be underestimated of just how important that is. And, and I can imagine even more so when you're coming and taking care of people's prized horses and the, the, these really you know, beautiful homes and estates almost. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people that have, you know, these big farms and and have, you know, upwards of 300 acres, they can't just, you know, bring in somebody and give them their gate code. And, you know, here's, here's the keys. Um, it's, (laughs) it's, it's a lot of land and I think it is a lot of responsibility. And especially if you can get like a referral from your next door neighbor that that does go a long way, especially in the the community that I frequent. Um, there are a lot of people and, and the horse world is, is large, but it's also very small. So um, being kind to your neighbor goes a very long way. Well, I'm sure you two have your background and interest in horses really goes a long way to, to selling yourself to, to people who are interested in your services. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm going on 22 years of horse life. So it's, it's been a passion forever. I've, I've loved horses since before I could walk, I was sitting on a horse. And I think that, um, being able to understand, um, an animal that is, you know, sometimes three or four times your size (laughs) is definitely a big, big deal for a lot of people. Um, and if you can kind of figure out where that animal is going, like what they're thinking, how they, um, just what their daily routine is and being able to insert yourself into that person's house or farm or whatever, and just, okay, well, I'm going to pick up the schedule and do it that way. You know, it's way less stress for everybody. I mean, the owner, the, the, um, the animal or whatever you're taking care of. Now you had said that when you originally started, it was a way to also get more, more ride time. What else was it about farm sitting that, that you were interested in? I, I am probably, I'm mostly an introvert. So I, I feel like I can connect a little bit more with animals and then just even to connect with, um, a horse or a cow, um, even goats. It's super fun to just sit outside and spend time with these animals where you can like sit in the pasture and just observe them. And sometimes they come up and hang out in your space and sometimes they do their own thing, but it's, um, very relaxing. And it really just recharges me um, while also being able to give give the animals a connection without being super hands-on all the time. Well, and I, we, we keep saying uh, farm sitting and large animal care here, but I guess those terms might mean different things to different people. So when you say those terms, when you're talking to those clients, what, what, exactly, what, kind, what exact kind of services are you providing? Yeah. So normally a, a farm sitting, if it's not an exclusive farm, I think, you know, to me, that means that the, the house has acreage. So maybe like anywhere from five to, to 300. I mean, there are like farms with over a thousand acres, but the biggest I've ever done is 300 acres. And so it's, um, you know, if they have, they have cows on the property or they do hay on the property, like, what does that mean um, when you're staying there? Like, how do you do, are you up at dawn, you know, taking care of plants, like making sure that animals are fed on time, you know, cows have hay. So you're taking the trailer out, uh, the tractor out and getting the, um, the round bales and putting them out for cows. Are you, um, feeding horses, do, are the horses show horses? Um, are they hobby horses, retirement horses? Do you have to watch them like a hawk? <laughs> do, you, do you just throw food out there and you go back into the house? You know, it's, um, hopefully that's <laughs> not too much, but it, it's a lot of different things to me. I think uh, a lot of people call their, their estate, a farm. So you really have to go and see what your, your client is wanting you to take care of. Cause some people say, well, Oh, I just, I want somebody to come to my house and feed my horses twice a day and that's fine. But do I have to 
you know, feed fluffy, <laughs> you know, seven different supplements and I have to <laughs> soak it 12 hours in advance so that fluffy eats it. Uh, you know, those are important things to think about. Yeah. I was just thinking as you were describing all this process, what kind of prep work and kind of questions you have to do? Cause you know, I've been given a booklet to care for a cat for a weekend from the client's preferences. Do you, are, are do you get those kind of instructions from the clients or do you find yourself having to ask very specific questions? Yeah, I used to just ask them to write it down for me and leave it on, you know, the counter or the fridge, but then you would get, you know, non-descriptive <laughs> directions. <laughs> and so I've kind of come up with a template that I'll send a new client <laughs> and be like, "Hey, this is kind of what I use." for your type of farm or your type of animals. If this is not what you're looking for, let's get together and, and make a plan for what um, Fluffy needs, you know? Because I have to know, like, if you don't really, if you're saying like, oh, they eat, you know, in the morning. Well, do they eat at 5 a.m. or do they eat at 7 a.m.? Because I feel like there's morning and then there's like, you know, crack of dawn. <laughs> there are differences and some people don't think about that right and it takes those kind of experiences and and questions to kind of draw that out because you know to them it's really no different it's just what they do but when you're bringing in somebody new and somebody who doesn't know the routine those differences who you know on the outset it doesn't really sound that big of a deal but it absolutely is and can really throw off the routine of especially of a of horse or you know large farm animal who's used to certain things. Yeah, and I think another thing that I like to do which um I've heard you guys talk about it too is I I usually try and either come at a feeding time when I meet the mm-hmm. client so like go meet them but then I'll come back and do um maybe an evening feed feed time so I can watch them feed their cows, you know, chickens, goats, whatever. And then, um, just ask questions along the way. Okay. So you just picked up this much hay. Is that exactly how much you want me to do? Is there, you know, some people weigh their hay. There's, (laughs) there's all kinds of way that you can do it. So, um, I think that that's really important. And I think it gives the owner a sense of like, okay, this person is serious. They're going to do it the way that, that I've asked them to do it. Yeah, no, I love that idea. Yeah, especially of coming, doing the meet and greet during those times, because then you really get a sense and a feel for how that is supposed to flow and what it's supposed to look like and just being as observant as possible. And I know when we do meet and greets, you know, I I go ahead and tell the, the clients, I'm going to be taking some notes. I hope that's okay. Um, or Or something like that so that I can annotate what they're doing and why they're doing it and, you know, catching up on you know, oh, is that amount of hay appropriate or is that a guesstimate? Like that's, you know, again, it's those little details that you wouldn't think is going to make that big a difference. But if they're actively weighing it, you know, they're they're very interested on the exact amount that their horse is getting. Right. And there are a lot of di- like, you know, you think about how it's easy for some dog breeds to to get overweight. And so, you know, some owners do have special dog food. Well, it's kind of the same for at least for horses, I think, um, there are metabolic horses. And Mm -hmm. if you give, you know, an extra three pounds of hay, like that's a vet visit, 
Wow. <laughs> and usually it's an emergency vet visit, of course. So, of course. <laughs> um, you know, animals never get sick during business hours. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. Why, why would they? That would make it too convenient, right? <laughs> well, what does it, an emergency prep plan look like for you when you are at somebody's farm? How, how do you take into account all those circumstances and handle you know, a, a tip, a kind of emergency that could come up? Um, usually, I make sure that I'm familiar with um, all of the local departments in the area for, for that county or town, like the, the fire police, um, where is the major hospital for people? Where is the major vet hospital? Um, who is the regular vet? If it's, you know, emergency hours, do you use a different vet? Because mm-hmm. some vets won't do emergency hours. Um, if I have to transport the animal, I do ask them to leave you know, a truck and trailer. If not, who do I call to transport the animal? Um, all of obviously the neighbors numbers. And if, if any of them are, you know, available at odd hours, I usually do call the neighbors. If I, if it's my first time staying there to let them know what kind of car I drive, um, you know, and that I'll be doing the farm for X amount of days, just in case the owner, you know, they might've forgotten. And a lot of people are very close Mm -hmm. and they know that some strange person is driving into their neighbor's farm. That's (laughs) not okay. Yeah. Um, protection for the farm. I mean, you know, there's some people have gate codes, some people have, um, house alarms, uh, do you keep a safe, you know, a gun safe? Do you, you know, what, what do you usually see on the farm at night? Is there a lot of activity? You know, do you live somewhere? I did a farm that had an event venue next door and they ended up doing a lot more security because they had some people getting lost and driving into the farm at night. Mm. So just, um, Everything that you can possibly think of, it's probably happened at the farm. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you are looking for a new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Our listeners can get 50% off your first three months by going to timetopet.com forward slash confessional. How would you describe your typical client? Uh, you've mentioned the difference between like a, a, a racehorse versus a show horse versus a hobby farm. Where do you find most of your clients fall? Um, I would say most of them, it's kind of the hobby farm. So they have maybe some cows to keep their um, ag exemption uh, current on their farm. And then maybe they have chickens, um, dogs, and then some sort of larger animal. So maybe a horse or a llama or some, you know, some goats. And then, um, usually 
they'll have some sort of security system. So I think it's, it's, you know, the, the five to 10 acre farms are what I see the most of. It's just usually a, a family that wanted to live in the country and now they, they have all of these things, but they, they still want to travel. So they need to have somebody they trust and that's fairly available to, to come and stay. So I think that's the biggest thing is like having somebody stay at your house and the security of knowing that they're there if, if something were to happen. So beyond word of mouth, how, how have you found effective ways of, of advertising and reaching those clients? I really haven't uh, formally advertised anywhere. Wow. No. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. I don't... Um, I've had a couple people ask me about like if they could share my name with other people. And so that's, I I'm always open to meeting new people. And as long as there's a connection somewhere, I've, I've had a couple of um, current clients. They saw an ad on next door and they sent that person my number. So I think that's like the most formal advertising I've ever gotten. Sure. Well, and as you mentioned, you know, the world of horse owners, horse farms and, and hobby farms, like it's big, but it's still pretty small too. And when you when you are when you have a niche like that for your business, it doesn't take much for word of mouth to completely flood that market and get your name out there because they all know each other or at least are tangentially aware of who all else is out there. And once somebody's name gets out there, like that's extremely powerful. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, surrounding yourself with the right people, like you said, if, if you go, if I go and I meet a new client for house sitting and I feel that it's not a right match, or if I'm going to have some issues taking care of the farm or whatever, you know, I just, I try and be open and honest in advance. Like, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I just, I don't think that this is the opportunity for me. You know, I don't, I try not to have any hard feelings or animosity with any of my clients. And I think that's been the best policy for me rather than trying to do the job and it not being a hundred percent because I do, I feel like I do good work as, as a farm sitter. Um, so I think knowing your situation going in is going to be really big because everybody does know everybody. So if, if they feel that you didn't give what they asked for, they're going to tell whoever recommended you like, well, she didn't do a good job for me. And I don't, Mm. I don't know what that was about. And we all know that negative reviews seem to make their way around a lot faster than the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that's for sure. But you know, coming in and knowing your limits and setting expectations and being and not being afraid to say no like that's that's doing several things it's it's making sure that the client gets the best care possible because you are recognizing ooh this isn't the best fit for me i'm not going to you know be able to meet these needs or these or whatever but it's also as you mentioned there it's protecting your reputation on the back end of going into something getting, being over your head and not being able to do 100% or do they meet the job expectations as you thought, and then having this stain on your reputation as people are talking about you. So it really is both sides of this coin of going, 
Well, I, I'm saying no, not because you know I don't like you or I'm offended or anything like that. I'm saying no so that you get the best care possible and I keep doing the the ones that I know I'm going to be able to do the the best at. So on that, when you are approaching, when you're approached by a, a client or somebody who's interested in your services, what would you say no to? Are there do you have any as far as like animals or requests for for farm care that you would not be okay with? I think that I'm pretty much open to everything. I I don't um I have done llamas one time. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. Oh, <laughs> I love oh. I love animals. I love all animals, but yeah. man, they are tough to win over. <laughs> Many <laughs> A lot of spit. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> um, so it it has to be the right situation. Um, also knowing like how many animals does mm. the person have? I'm I'm usually comfortable um with large animals. I think my limit would be uh ten to twelve. Mm. And then after that, I think it's a uh, kind of a time and um, compensation and, and all of that. I feel like I want to do the best job I can, but I'm only one person. Sure. Um, so I have had people like kind of horse rescue type situations that had like 30 horses and it was just like going to be impossible for one person to do it all. Um, so I'm happy to, you know, come out and meet and talk to, you know, everybody that, that I talk with and I, I do a preliminary phone call and and just to kind of see what they think. And, um, there's also, I think I, I put a limit of, of one hour with, from, um, my home, even Mm -hmm. though I'm staying there, like it's still, it's still a, a good distance for me to drive. So should anything like come up at my house, um, I want to be able to, to come back and, and deal with that. So those kind of things are something that you, you know, you kind of figure out over time. Like I'm, I'm sure the one hour distance, you know, maybe that has or hasn't changed over the years, but it just becomes part of, you know, how do I actually want to be running my business? How do I actually want to set this up so that I still have a life? outside of it and unable to do things. And these are those barriers that we talk a lot about of of setting so that you know going into when someone sends you a request, you can start matching this up and going, oh, it meets this, it meets this. Oh, doesn't meet this. Okay, this is this is probably going to be a no-go. And if you do that ahead of time, it really streamlines that process and takes a lot of for for us at least, takes a lot of the anxiety off of knowing whether to say no or or yes sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I I think that that's that's just something I've learned over the years like how to um like what do I want my drive time to be from the city or whatever or or does the person want me to stay on the farm 24/7? Most of the farms are 24/7 deals. Um mm-hmm. a lot of them understand that like, you know, I'm going to go out to dinner or whatever on the weekends and that's fine, but um most farms are just 24 seven jobs and that's what it is. And and I think that, like you said, when you go into it, knowing that 
it's way less stress for everybody. Now, thinking about, you know, you've said this kind of limit on animals, but it's you know over 10. That still sounds like a lot to me. And then if you're there for 24 hours, how do you find pricing for the services that you're offering? Yeah, I I think that I kind of set myself up with um, a day rate. Uh, if it's if the owner or the client pushes back on the day rate, I then I will offer an hourly rate. Um, the hourly rate is going to be more expensive, <laughs> um, but it. I just kind of, I like to have a couple options for them. Like, that's fine. If you, if you just want to do an hourly rate and I don't stay overnight, um, or you can do the all in, um, rate where I charge you per day and it's a whole day, whether I'm only doing stuff in the morning or only doing in the evening. I've tried before to just charge like a little more a la carte and it got to be a little out of control. <laughs> so I just, I want the owner to be happy, but also I need to be, um, happy too. You know, <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm, I'm enjoying my time with the animals and it's not stressful for me because I feel like if the person is stressed, it will translate into the animal. And that's not what I want for anyone. When you are talking about pricing for your clients, do you feel like you have to push on the services and really sell the benefits? Or do you find a lot of people immediately see, oh, this is actually very beneficial and I can see how this is going to be be good and I see the value in this? Um, yeah, I don't really sell have to sell myself on it. I, I tell them, you know, this is the rate and this is what's included in it. And if if they have issues with it, that's fine. But, um, I feel like I've, I've set a fair price and, Mm. and I do the job well. So I don't like, I don't want to sound rude or pushy, but like, I don't really negotiate, um, (laughs) because I feel like that's, (laughs) that's your animal's care. And I, I think that a lot of people do understand so I don't really have a lot of pushback. Again, if you recognize the value and if you're spreading through word of mouth, people who are contacting you are already somewhat interested at least, right? And they have a real need. And they're going to be able to tell very quickly if, if you're going to be able to fill that for them or not. And there's, you know, from a business perspective, as far as like haggling on prices, you know, you have to make it worth your time. And as you mentioned earlier, this, you know, well, I had this big a la carte options for people and it was piecemeal and I had all these things moving. But when things start to get very overly complicated, it can be really hard sometimes to figure out, okay, now what am I charging this person and why am I charging them that? And am I actually making money? So to go to more of a just a, you know, two options hourly or flat rate, it just (laughs) simplifies the entire process and it's less headache on your side and on the client side too. Right. Yeah. I, I have this big Excel spreadsheet of just like each client. And then I wrote out like what I was charging them. And then I wrote out what they were having me do. And it was eye opening because you don't really think about it when they're just like paying you your lump sum mm-hmm. and then you go about your business. But it's like when you sit down and you actually go through how much care you're providing for these animals, like don't discount yourself. 
<laughs> yeah, we've had people go, wow, you charge that for, for a full day? And we go, yeah, it's only for a full day. Like the hourly rate for this, if you really broke it down for a lot of services and for a lot of pet care providers, hourly, you're really not making as much as you think you are, but you get that big lump sum. You go, wow, look at all this money. Look what I, you know, I, yeah, I got made, you know, I made it. But if you actually would break it down for the number of hours of care you're giving, all of a sudden you're like, oh no, that's actually not, <laughs> it's not worth yeah, it. Right. And, and it's hard because you do, I mean, I know that these, these animals are family to a lot yeah. of people. So I don't want to, you know, tell anybody that their animal is worth X amount of dollars. That's so hard to do is to mm. put a price tag on, you know, the animal that you love. It is. And I know for the more traditional pet sitting, the dog and cat world, it's it takes a little bit of convincing sometimes to say, okay, well, you know, you, you have this pet. Part of pet ownership is paying for their care. And that includes pet sitting and dog walking. You know, if you go to somebody who has a hobby farm, it's okay, you have this and to maintain it, Part of maintaining it is paying somebody to do that while you're away. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, there's a lot of one time expenses that go in, into farms, or, you know, like I only spend X amount of dollars um, every three weeks. And so it's sometimes hard for people to, to understand you coming and staying and like doing exactly their schedule. But that's also why I offer it. I'm like, Hey, it's this much money, but I'm doing it exactly the way that you're asking me to do it. There's, I have no questions about how you're doing your animals care, but I promise to do it exactly how you do it so that they feel comfortable while you're away. Yeah, and that that's huge. I know when when we offer just you know more of a again a traditional house sitting option for people, when we're able to explain that to them, of no, it's your pet, your schedule, your house, their environment, you can see the gears start to turn and they start to realize like, oh wow, you're right. Like okay, this is a little bit more expensive than if I took my my dog to a kennel or something like that. But I see the whole package here and I can see, tell, you know, even more so for doing a farm sitting and large animal care for what you're doing of going, no, no, like it's almost as if you are still there because I'm there doing all the same things. And especially for somebody who is, you know, very particular or have their, their, their animals have very specific needs. All of a sudden these benefits just start, you know, really popping up for everybody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can, you could take your, your horse. I think, um, some veterinarians do like boarding like dogs, um, and cats, but I, but I think it's kind of the same thing. Like a lot of people bring their animals home and they're more stressed because they had to pack them up and take them somewhere else and then bring them back. They're not really sure what kind of care they got. Um, especially since in a vet hospital, you know, there's 20 million things going on. Horses are in surgery or, or whatever. So it's not as relaxing yeah. as staying in your environment. Um, cause I do, I do think horses, cows, maybe not as much, but horses definitely get stressed when their, um, schedule is <laughs> bumped around a little bit. So I, 
I appreciate it when, you know, my horse is, is taken care of at the same times each day. So I know when I'm taking care of somebody else's animals, that that's important to them. Um, so I, I think being able to have worked at a lot of farms and like worked with a lot of veterinarians and, um, I've worked at some equine assisted therapy programs, like it's just really cool to see how this animal can provide so many different services to the human that it's like I, me being able to farm sit is is kind of giving back to to those horses and just they they give their all 100% like I I love <laughs> I love being able to to hang out with them and just just watch and spend time with them for sure hmm. Well, talk to us a little bit more about that, about how you make those connections and how you start bonding with with the horses, with the animals that you're caring for. Because when we go through that meet and greet process and when we start doing house sits or or boarding, it takes a little bit for the animals, for the dogs to come around to us. So what's that look like whenever you start caring for a new horse for the first time? Yeah, so I think with with any house sit, you would, um, you know, if if you know a certain kind of animal and you, and you've cleared it with the owner, right. The, the owner maybe has told you that, um, Dobby likes certain treats. Maybe you pack those in your bag and bring them with you, Mm. um, to either put in, in the animal's food or just hand feed them and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm a friend. It's going to be fine. I do think, some horses are a little wary of new people and then other horses are like, Oh great. You're here to feed me. Where's my food? (laughs) It's they're pretty much like large dogs sometimes, or, you know, any dog (laughs) (laughs) their little personalities for sure. Um, but yeah, I try and, and kind of do that. So I'll, I'll carry some of the treats or I'll make sure to stop at the feed store and and pick some of those up. If, if they can't have carrots or apples, you know, they make every single treat on the market for horses. So, um, I do like to kind of, you know, go out and in the field and, and put a halter on them and just pet them and, and talk to them a little bit. And, um, it's the same, if the cows are friendly, I'll go out and, and hang out with the cows a little bit. Um, chickens chickens are fun like especially if they're free range chickens and they just like hang out around the house you can read to them they really like that or you can play classical music chickens love music that's adorable (laughs) it's very adorable um and uh having fresh eggs while you're there house sitting that's awesome but yeah i i'll I'll hang out with, with all the animals, just kind of spend some extra time with them the first couple of days. So they do get comfortable and mm. there's no stress. It seems to be like an animal gets stressed and then they get sick. So that's one of my biggest things. I don't want to have any, any type of stressful environment for them. Yeah. Making those transitions as smooth as possible. You know, you mentioned it earlier about that can be some of the most stressful time for trans when you are transporting a pet you know if they're going to boarding or coming from boarding it's those those multiple transitions in a pet's life and throughout the day so coming in and trying to make those as smooth as possible with 
know, classical music or with treats and just, you know, being with them, like physically, emotionally, mentally being with them. Uh, really, you know, it goes a long way for a lot of unspoken or even maybe unfelt things on our end, but it just kind of gives us peace and reassurance for the pets and for the animals that we're around. Yeah, for sure. And it's a good way to just orient yourself with the farm, like Mm. figuring out where everything is, like as you kind of rotate through the animals, like, oh, I noticed that there's this big shady place over here and it looks like Dobby will hang out at a certain time over here because I've I've come out in the morning sometimes and I can't find the cows, but it just turned out that they were like hiding behind the the group of hay bales, like in the way back of the pasture. Um, so <laughs> after that, I started doing full walk arounds of the property just to make sure I know the fence line and should a storm happen, then I, I've looked at the fence line at before and I'll go do it again and just make sure like, okay, everything is still in its place. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun lesson. <laughs> oh, I can't, can't, uh, oh, I've lost all of the cows. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, can, uh, I can imagine, again, just the power, these simple things, the power of just paying attention, the power of, of taking a few moments to be observant, again, really go a long way in the quality of care that we're doing. And in reassuring and giving confidence to the clients when we say oh, we're able to do something and then you know being able to do it. Yeah, exactly. And and if you're uncomfortable, you know, with doing some of these things, like it's totally okay to say no. I I just I really say that to a lot of people. Um, like if if you feel that it's too much, just say so. You know, mm-hmm. I'd rather go into it with my eyes open and like only you know one eye shut so I think really focusing on what I can promise my clients and then you know what I can deliver to them and then you know when they come home it's you know a zen environment that's what (laughs) my goal is to provide for them they come home want them to just be able to kind of like you know, melt back into their schedule. It was like I was never there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that that thought process and and of going. I know for for us, like when we travel, coming back home again is this big transition, and there's always something else to do. And you're you're unpacking, you're doing laundry, you're folding, you're putting away, you're readjusting back to the life that you had before you left. And from a house sitting, from a farm sitting perspective, going, I want this to be as a seamless transition for them as possible so that they're not coming back into mayhem and chaos and they're able to just transition right back in and it's like nothing ever changed and and really striving to do that from day 1 you know not trying to scramble on the last day you're like no everything back to normal it's it's a from day 1 process to to make sure that that stays moving forward right yeah and i i do offer like um in my rate, I do some, some light house cleaning. Like, you know, of course I take out the trash and I get the mail and, you know, just making sure, um, all the dishes, if I used any dishes or, you know, um, did laundry or or whatever, you know, the sheets on the bed are clean and Mm -hmm. just little things like that. I think those are great touches. Um, taking out the trash, like I cannot tell you how many times people 
don't take out the trash and then you come home from a trip and it's just like awful. <laughs> like one of the worst things you can do is like leave the trash in the house because it just stinks. And yeah. um, so I do, I do try and I've had, uh, you know, I have two cats and so we do have um, a cat sitter that comes when we go out of town mm-hmm. and um, I've had some before that, <laughs> just didn't take out the trash or like forgot to close the door. And so my cats actually ate, um, a whole loaf of bread. Oh no. It was awesome. Awesome. is not the word I would use for that. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily they were fine. Um, Oh good. But it was, it's just little things like that. And I feel like I'm a hard critic, right? Cause I do it all like I do professional house sitting, but, um, just little things like that you learn along the way you check do. all your doors <laughs> <laughs> you, you've talked a little bit about your background in with with horses and, and around the farm and some you know visiting vets and things like that what kind of training or education would you say is necessary or would you recommend for people interested in getting into farm care um so for sure i recommend if you're passionate about a certain livestock animal um if you can find i mean there's farms that are exclusively goat farms i mean if you if you have a passion for goats and like you want to learn all about how to take care of them and and what their needs are and everything there are just plenty of places for that at least uh you know in in my neck of the woods but Mm -hmm. there's always um if you ask your local veterinarian, like, Hey, I want to get involved with large animals. They usually have a large animal veterinarian recommendation, um, that they might refer, refer out to, like if they get a call from somebody that doesn't have a large animal vet, um, or you can do a quick Google search and, and be like, Hey, I'm looking to get some experience taking care of this animal. Like for me, it was horses. So I, um, I started working like in a barn and I, I found a person that needed some extra help. And so I would come, um, after school and on the weekends and, um, clean stalls and like turn horses in and out, like help feeding them. And eventually you create this rapport with, you know, the animals and the owner. And then she, um, started teaching me how to ride. And like, so I learned, all the ins and outs of like getting your horse's saddle on and the bridle and, um, learning how to ride a horse and all of that neat stuff. And I just ate it up. So it's, it's definitely something that you need to have a drive for. And if you go out there and you don't like it, like the smell is just awful to you. Don't (laughs) feel bad about saying no, again, know your limits. (laughs) If you don't like it, you don't like it. But, um, really if, if you're willing and like you are a self-starter and a go, go getter, there's nobody that will turn you away to help them do farm work. And there, a lot of people are super nice. Hmm. Um, and they're more than happy to teach you. Well, I'm sure too, just being open to all aspects of helping on a farm, because if your end goal is to do farm sitting and large animal care, you're going to be doing all aspects of that. So really embracing the whole process and you know asking those kind of questions and and taking notes and just being observant will really, you know, as you get more involved into it like you said like uh 
you know, the smell, that's not really my thing. I like everything else, but the smell, well, you know, okay. Uh, you know, there are other things you can help with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just being in the beginning, like open to, to everything, even like water. I think water is a huge thing on a farm. Um, in the summer, you know, making sure everybody has enough water because they will drink more. But in the winter, like water also sucks because if you like get it on you, then you're cold. But <laughs> like one of those necessary <laughs> things that animals need water. And so if it's, you know, 25 degrees outside, you still have to go out there. If, if they don't have heaters in the water troughs, like make sure you know where the sledgehammer or the pickaxe is because you're going to be unfreezing water troughs because they have to drink water. I mean, and we're the caretakers. So we have to make sure that they can get to what they need. And just, you know, use that as an opportunity to get out your frustrations or angers about something that day, you know, and use it as therapy, right? (laughs) Get a little workout in. (laughs) (laughs) do you require or is there available special special insurance for taking care of farms and, and being on these larger properties? So most of the time when I go to meet the person or if I have like a phone um, phone call with them first, I, I do ask about their farm insurance. Oh. Um, a lot of if they are actually farms and they have like an ag exemption and, you know, all of their paperwork in order, they will have an insurance policy. And usually the, the umbrella will cover, you know, if there's an accident on the property. Hmm. Um, I do carry my own insurance um, just because I also ride horses. And um, that is <laughs> a different activity in and of itself. So I do like to make sure that I'm always covered in that aspect. and. Mm-hmm should something happen, you know, on the farm, then, then I have two insurances, you know, with the umbrella policy and then my insurance. So I know that whatever happens to me, um, something will be covered. I would never have even thought to ask about their farm insurance and whether that would cover incidents that occurred on there for caretakers or things like that. So those kind of questions, again, really go and can have a huge you know, impact on, on how you're able to care or, or if it's one that you're going to say yes to even. Right. And some people do have um, a liability release. Ah. So that's kind of something that you'll have to decide if they uh, have you sign that, then you're, you know, they're not responsible if something happens to you on, on their property. So then that would be another reason that you'd carry your own insurance. Right. Now I, it's my understanding that you also have a full-time job that you're doing while you are doing farm sitting and, and large animal care. How do you find a balance between those two and, and still have a life outside of all of that? <laughs> a life? What's that? <laughs> uh, it's a time when, when you're not, I don't really know. Uh, we'll find Let me Google real quick. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I do. Yep. I, I, I work in a little, uh, a nine to five job and, um, with the, the pandemic and everything going on, I've been fortunate enough to work remote. And so it does give me a little bit of flexibility to be able to go and stay at these farms. As long as there's a good Wi-Fi signal, <laughs> <laughs> I am 
I'm usually good to go. Um, since most of, uh, the things that I need to deliver and everything for, for my regular job are, you know, only during certain hours, then I can kind of flex, flex out for the farm sitting. Um, I am upfront with both, you know, both jobs. Uh, the farm sitting clients do know that I have, um, a job and then, um, my job knows that I, I do the farm sitting. So I, I find that as long as everybody involved is aware, um, then you're in a, a better position. Like if something happened and I had to take an animal into the vet, like my job understands that. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. And I'm sure that that just, again, it's, it's being honest. It's having open communication with people and that, that genuinely never hurts a situation whenever you being upfront about your, both your abilities, both limitations and other things that you're involved in, because that, that way nothing can come back on the back end and, and bite you in the butt or, or come back on you. You're always being honest and, and you're always talking about, you know, what the expectations are. Right. Exactly. Can't, can't hurt to be honest. I mean, I've, there have been multiple situations, um, farm sitting where like, I, I was feeding in the morning and I did not get a chance to get coffee in me. And I fed one horse, another horse's food, but I immediately, you know, caught myself and I called the owner and I told her. And so I was able to just monitor the horse. Luckily nothing happened. Like everyone was fine and I didn't have to take anybody to the vet, but it's just like, as soon as something happens and you catch it, being open and honest is always going to be better than like a couple hours into it, you know, and the horse gets sick or, you know, God forbid has to have surgery or doesn't make it, you know, it is on you because you are the one that was entrusted with their care. And I know like animals are unpredictable, right? (laughs) So the the horse could have eaten a plant in the field the day before too. Like who knows, but as long as, you know, you, you are aware of what you're doing um, and you're able to give, give the care. Everybody makes mistakes. We're still human. And I think that's a testament to my clients too. She didn't overreact or get upset with me. She just was like, it happens. And, and I, I remedied it and I moved the food around so that I wouldn't do it again. And it didn't happen again. (laughs) So it it is this instinct of oh something bad happened let me see if there's going to be any repercussions of this before i go and i talk to my client about this or before i tell them but like you said you don't want it to progress to a certain point where you're hours into this and then something bad does happen because of something that you caught right like don't the, the earlier that you can tell a client then the more you can be communicating on that it really just helps out the entire process because then they know that you are trustworthy because it speaks to your character in those situations of what you will and what you won't tell a client. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that goes back to just, um, knowing your clients and being able to, to figure out, you know, if, if this is someone that I decide to take on as the client, like, will they give me some grace or is it just kind of something where it's, like I have to be on my game all the time, mm. but I'm still, we're all still human. And, and I think that that's something you, you have to think about when you're um, doing the meet and greets and everything. Like, am I going to match this owner's personality? 
maybe, maybe not, <laughs> but there's no. nothing wrong, you know, with you as a, or with me, I always think about that. I'm like, well, you know, I just think, um, it might be too much for me right now. Maybe. And even down the road, sometimes I have, I have people that come back to me and they're like, Hey, I know that I talked to you a couple months ago and you said no, but like, I've changed some things. Would you be willing to come back out and see if it's something you can do? Well, and there again, right. When you, when you are saying no and saying, Oh no, well this and this and, and this, this is not something that I'm able to do that way. They know that when something changes, they know who to reach out to, right? And you've gained a client because of that. So gaining a client from saying no is kind of counterintuitive to the way a lot of us think about that process. But again, when you are saying, you know, I know what I do, I know how I do it. And if that's not something that aligns with you, that's fine. But when you explain that to a client, that part, becomes part of this education process. And then, you know, as you have, have experienced, when the client goes, oh, I changed this thing and now I check all of your boxes. You know, you have now gained a client that you know you're going to fit with. Yeah, exactly. Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. Megan and I have used this several times in our business and they really make it so simple. They have this awesome direct client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reaches a client or employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They will be releasing an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards throughout the rest of the year that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get wishes, and welcome new or rescue pets. They also have a few gift options in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client. If you're interested, register for a free account to receive discounted package pricing rather than pay consumer prices. Since the service is leveraged on an as-need basis, there is no monthly or annual obligation or minimum purchase. Learn more and register using the link petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS. Then enter the referral code PSC at registration. You'll be given a unique coupon code to save $2 off any packages that you send in your first 90 days. I'm curious, you know, never a dull moment on a farm in these processes. So what's one of your most memorable experiences? Um, oh, goodness. I was actually doing a farm sit. I don't know if you remember, Texas had that big power outage, right? And it snowed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we lost power. And the house, it was a huge house. And um, luckily, they just had the dogs and a cat and there wasn't, um, any extra livestock, but yeah, we were on the rotating power schedule and, uh, luckily they had a gas fireplace. So that was on like 24 seven and I was there like a week. So the entire time the power was out and it was like 30 degrees in the house. And I was trying every time the power would come on, I would try and put heaters on all the pipes. Um, And the owners were actually in Hawaii. (laughs) So I, it was, I slept on the ground like a couple nights with the dogs in front of the fireplace because it was cold. Um, And it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was hard, but um, I think it would have been harder if I had had like, 
horses, cows, because there was a lot of my clients that were out of power and they didn't have water. So they were like lugging water to from their um, like stock tanks or pools to feed their animals. So I got lucky that I just had the inside animals, but it was crazy. But none of the pipes froze. The house, like when the power, of course, the power came back on the day I left and like everything heated back up and they came home and they said that neighbors on both sides of them, they had multiple pipes burst in their house, but nothing was wrong with their house. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's that's a A plus on smooth transitions for clients coming home. No burst pipes. That's about as awesome as as you can give them, you know, it's almost a present of giving them and they come back through those, those kind of situations. <laughs> well, it's crazy because in Texas, you know, we don't get those temperatures. Like it was, yeah. you know, six, seven degrees outside. So it was just wild. And I'm, you know, I'm a Southern girl. So I, <laughs> I was wearing like all the clothes that I brought and I don't do cold well, but it, it was definitely one one for the memories and and I don't drive in the snow and I had to leave the house and there was still like snow and ice on the ground um so it was <laughs> I only lived like 5 I think like 15 minutes away from this house but it took me like 40 to drive home cuz driving so slow <laughs> so scared <laughs> But that's, I don't really do snow, ice, but anything else, I'm fine. Like hail, tornadoes, it's all good, but not snow. Do you want me to tell the other one? Yeah, absolutely. I stayed at a a farm and they had 30 chickens, um, a horse, three cows, and two dogs. And I was out in the pool and there were some trucks driving up. Well, they have alarms on their driveway. So like if somebody drives on the driveway, you'll know because you'll hear the bells in the house. Hmm. And I was staying there, you know, by myself and I wasn't expecting anybody and, and someone drove up. And so I, I got out and, and there was a guy walking up and he said that he needed to take some pictures, uh, for to look at landmarks of where the property line was and he didn't have a card and he didn't have anything so i i immediately called the owner and um i told him i was like look you know you're not allowed on the property i don't have permit like i can't give you permission to come on the property so he left and then he came back the next day oh so i i know this this house had um, protection and everything and and the dogs were barking crazy. And he didn't even come to the door this time. He just walked straight back onto the property. So I actually ended up um, calling the cops and I called the owner again. And um, this time he gave me a card and it was a handwritten card (laughs) that said that he was a land surveyor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. What? And I said, I've called the police um, and the owner has said that you're not allowed on his property. Um, so you will be arrested. And he looked at me and like kind of looked around and he ran down to his truck <laughs> and sped down the driveway. <laughs> and I didn't see him again, but the police, they came and, and, um, 
I told them what happened and they said that there was a man that was doing that um, to a couple of farms in the area, like said he was a surveyor and he needed to take pictures of the property line, but they, they're like, we can't figure out who he works for or like what he's doing. So that was crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> and really... I slept with like all the lights on in the house for the rest of the house. Sit. Yeah, that's really unnerving, right? To think of not just what's going on out there, like while you're sleeping, but just to like have that confrontation or meet somebody and just just have it make no sense at all. And even the cops be like, "We don't even know what this guy's doing," right? Like that's so bizarre. Yeah, and and the house owner, like I felt so bad for them because. I was like, yeah, there's like somebody trying to come onto your property. So they did end up telling me like where an extra lock was for the gate. So I put a lock on the gate. Like if I, if I was there, um, Mm. and then I left and everything. So, um, but yeah, that's, it's just crazy. Like the stuff that you see out in the country, I guess it could happen to anybody, but I was like, well, I guess it's just another thing. I'm thankful that, you know, it was one of those things where I was able to, to just kind of tell the guy that I'd called the police and he left. Um, yeah. So I think that's another, another reason I like to, to know, you know, who's in, in the area, like the sheriff or, or police and, and the fire department and, and all of that. And I told the neighbor next door. And so he was keeping an eye out since they shared the driveway. So. I know in, in pet care and dog walking and, and, and pet sitting, um, continuing education and learning more and getting more resources is always a big thing. So I was curious, where do you go for more information on farm animals and staying up to date on the latest care information out there? I do have a really good um, relationship with my large animal veterinarian. She and I actually talk a lot about multiple different things. Um, even if, you know, my horse is healthy or whatever, I'll, I'll ask her questions about um, cows and, and goats or, or what have you. And just be out of curiosity because I like to con- continue learning. And so we will meet up for dinner like once or twice a month and just like talk about all these different things. So um, I know everybody can't have have that but if you um if you're really interested and and you want to to learn about you know the anatomy or you know what that animal eats or or whatever there's there's always you know books and and stuff like that but i mean i can't stress enough like if you want to go to a vet clinic they are more than happy to take you on as a volunteer if you're interested in becoming a vet tech a lot of clinics will offer you um, the ability to get the training you need. Um, They're super awesome about that. If you find a good clinic, um, definitely ask them about like uh, continuing education programs. There are multiple groups actually on Facebook that will do um, like little weekend activities, especially with the pandemic. I think it's a little bit, um, you have to RSVP now, but they'll do, uh, like days at the lake where you can come and people will bring their animals and like talk to you about how they feed them and care for them and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I know that that's only in North Texas right now. I don't know, um, about other, 
other rural areas. But yeah, I, I think the internet is, it's amazing (laughs) most of the time. Um, Just be careful and make sure that it is like a sanctioned event. So if it's like 4-H or the, the horse one is the United States Equestrian Federation. So just, just make sure there's some sort of backing behind it and you're not just going to like some random person's house. That's not safe. (laughs) So. Just know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's focusing on those relationships again, uh, fo- relationships not just with our clients and with potential clients, but with groups and with vets and vet clinics to continue expanding our knowledge and growing our our community and growing our network, right? So that you you do have somewhere to go and someplace to turn because you know you can you can watch YouTube videos and you can Google to your heart's content. But you do have to ground truth a lot of that information and being having a vet or a clinic that you can go to and have conversations with really does help solidify a lot of the information out there. Yeah. And there are tons of shelters, too. Like the um, I know that the ASPCA, they do horses as well. And like other I think they have other livestock, too, like um, some have cows. So I know that they're always looking for volunteers um, and people to help them or, you know, the Humane Society gets horses in quite a bit, like owner surrenders or or foreclosures or something. Um, So that would be a great place as well. Araya, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and shedding light on a part of the industry that um, many of us aren't aware of or didn't even know that it was a thing and for sharing some some stories and for encouraging us to go and get connected with those uh, around us. Um, but I know that there's a lot more information and there's going to be a lot more you know, questions that are very particular to, to certain people that they may have. So how can people best get connected with you and, and start picking your brain? Yeah, for sure. Um, email is probably the best way right now. It's Araya, A-R-I-A-H dot wolf w-o-l-f-e at gmail.com um and that way they can you know they can write me a book or just write me a short note and we can i'm happy to answer any and all um livestock farm related questions um but yeah i'm i'm always happy to talk to to anybody about farms Awesome. And I, I encourage that. I know we kind of did a 30,000 foot view of what it's like to, to be a farm sitter and, and a little bit of the ins and outs, but there are a lot of particulars and, and especially with your background with horses and, and that side of it, um, that's a, a real need. I know we have people around us that ask questions about horses and I know nothing about them. So uh, I think <laughs> that... that well, you've um, come to the right place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. So Araya, thank you so much. For coming on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. My three big takeaways from my conversation with Araya were one, being kind really does go a long way. We tend to forget how our simple interactions with people on a day-to-day basis, on how we wave to neighbors, on how we interact with our clients, that sets the standard, that sets their understanding of who we are as people and really does start to build our reputation. We've talked about that a lot on the show recently about the importance of maintaining our reputation and that all begins with being kind to those around us. Second big takeaway was that chickens love classical music. 
Not much more than that. It was just a really interesting tidbit that I learned. And then thirdly, is that preparing never looks the same from sit to sit and from person to person. We can never prepare for all the instances or for every kind of possibility. What it looks like to prepare for the sits that you do look very different from somebody else because we are all processing different information. We have all had different past experiences that build into that network and that system of how we approach those kind of problems. But at the end of the day, the important part is to prepare, period, is to have something in place to think through possible scenarios in different situations so that we can be a little bit ahead of the game. It might not be exactly what we prepared for, but at least we've been been in that mindset and we've put ourselves in that situation to start understanding how things might go wrong and how we would respond to that. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials, for making today's show possible. And thank you so much for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon.